What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. The following is a presentation of the Matt Talk Podcast Network. fans, you'll get to go inside the mind of the skip each and every episode here on the Pack Mentality Poppins Podcast. Now, here's your host, NC State Director of Athletics Digital Communications, Ryan Reinhardt. Welcome to a brand new summertime episode of the only podcast produced by NC State Athletics, the Pack Mentality Poppins podcast covering all things NC State wrestling. I'm your host, NC State Director of Athletics Digital Communications, Brian Reinhardt. And on this episode, we fired up the Skype machine and joining us from Las Vegas, Nevada, former Wolfpack wrestler and current MMA fighter, Max Roscoff. Max, thanks for joining us on the podcast. It's going to be fun catching up with what you've been up to since your Wolfpack wrestling days. Hey, Brian. Thanks for having me on. Uh, nice talking to you. I know it's been a couple of years, so it uh, be nice to catch up a little bit. It has been a few years. It seems weird. It seems like, you know, you're 20. It seems like it was just a couple months ago. seems like a couple of months ago. Sometimes it seems a little longer, but you've been up to a lot since that time. And we're going to jump around a bit, covering many different topics. But first, you were born and raised in Ohio. And of course, you spent your college years here in Raleigh with the Wolfpack. Post-college, you went out west and you've settled in Las Vegas. How is life in Las Vegas for you? Have you adapted to the climate and all of the tourists? Uh, honestly, so Las Vegas is a little weird. As long as you stay off the strip, it doesn't seem like that much of like a touristy town. But it is, uh, I mean, obviously, it, it is what you expect it to be. There's a lot of people that are only here to really party, gamble, and all that kind of stuff. And that's not my scene at all. So I pretty much, uh, socially, I'm not a big fan of Las Vegas. I mean, I don't, I don't really go out and like hang out with people and have like a lot of friends here. All my friends are in the gym. Uh, I'm in the gym either working or training both all day, every day. I pretty much live in the gym. Uh, I'll take naps and sleep there sometimes. Like I, I just live in the gym. So that's what I really like about it is I'm staying busy doing everything that I want to do, whether it's coaching kids classes, training two, three times a day, uh, doing private lessons, coaching classes, all that kind of stuff. Okay. You had a very interesting college story here. Uh, You only started wrestling when you were 12, and you've said it before, you weren't heavily recruited, so you kind of contacted schools and you kind of recruited the schools, but 
successful NC State career, you left with an ACC championship in 2016, and then you had a top 10 ranking as a senior, but suffered an injury very early on, which actually turned out to be a torn labrum and had to miss the rest of the year. But looking back, it's been a few years. How would you describe your college wrestling career? So I actually tore my labrum my freshman year. I don't think a lot of people know that. I wrestled with that torn labrum and it consistently got worse Mm -hmm. uh, from my freshman year on. And then it was actually after the national tournament my junior year where I did an All-American when I was heavily favorited to do so. Uh, That was when I decided I was going to get the surgery. I got that surgery and then uh, I just wasn't ready to come back. I tried coming back a little too early, I think. Mm-hmm. I was just excited. And then it was going to be my last year. There was a lot of like hype, a lot of um, big expectations. So I think I tried to come back a little bit early. And then, uh, but looking back, man, I don't really have any regrets. I think I learned a lot. There's things I would have done differently, obviously, but that's just like, I think that just comes with the territory of doing everything uh, for striving to compete at a high level and then not reaching uh, your goals sometimes. Mm-hmm. But as far as how everything went, I think that it's it set me up really nicely to have a successful MMA career and uh, learned a lot and uh, everything. Yeah. Very smooth transition there. But with your college career coming to an end, was MMA your first choice in what you wanted to pursue post NC State? Oh, that was the plan since like my sophomore year. I even had conversations with the coaches and stuff like that was. Uh, that was always the plan. I had no, um, desire, interest, or anything to do anything else right away, to be honest. Uh, in the summers I was boxing and, uh, doing jiu-jitsu in Raleigh. So like, that was always pretty much my focus. And that's almost how I, uh, wanted to like wrestle too. So like, I tried to like do a style that would work more so for an MMA fight and probably less so for a wrestling match mm-hmm. sometimes. So, uh, yeah, that was always the plan. And I think everyone on the team and coaches were all on board with it and super supportive. And, uh, I think now everyone's, uh, super happy, excited to see, uh, how well I'm doing now. Absolutely. And coming off of that college wrestling career, how does one find their way to MMA? What was the process like for you? So we had some things, uh, lined up where like I was already doing jujitsu and I was already uh, uh, boxing and stuff like that. And then, so I was my jujitsu coach, uh, Sean Spangler, who was actually a uh, NC state wrestling alumni. I don't know how long ago, but he was under, uh, he was coached by uh, Bob Guzzo. Mm -hmm. He lived in Las Vegas and trained under Drysdale, who I'm training under now. And uh, he trained at Extreme Couture. He used to coach, and he had some fights, but he coached a lot of UFC fighters here out of Las Vegas and stuff. So he lived here in Las Vegas after he wrestled at NC State for, like, 20 years. He moved back to Raleigh, and now he owns a jiu-jitsu school, uh, Spangler Spangler Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. It's in Apex. And once he moved out uh, back to NC State, I started training jiu-jitsu with him. And then through him, I met. I pretty much have all the connections in Las Vegas that he had. And so through him, uh, we got the talking and eventually as soon as I was done uh, wrestling in college, I just started training jujitsu and boxing full time. 
And then after a couple months, just realized that I wasn't going to be able to stay in North Carolina and grow the way I needed to grow. So then uh, we just made the move out here. Uh, Sean pretty much introduced me to everyone that I needed to know and then sent me out. And you're both training still jujitsu. I really messed up that word there. <laughs> and you're at the MMA gym, but take us through a typical week of training for yourself. So that's what I'm super confident about competing against like a lot of these MMA guys, because a lot of them on a normal training schedule, they would be grappling. Like they would do like one wrestling day a week and then like one or two grappling sessions a week. I either wrestle or do jujitsu once a day or sometimes twice. Uh, I got a really, really good strength and conditioning coach. I'm working with him three to four times a week. And then I spar, uh, I do one MMA sparring session a week and I do one straight boxing sparring session a week with high level boxers. We have a lot of them here in Vegas. Mm -hmm. Um, so at least one grappling session, three to four strength conditioning sessions, about four to five striking sessions. And then that's added in because sometimes we'll do like MMA practice where it's like, it's striking mixed with wrestling. So you add it together and then you get it, you're working for takedowns and then we'll grapple from there. But, uh, we actually just sat down with me and my, uh, my coach, uh, Drysdale and he, uh, we wrote down a schedule that I'm following because before I was just kind of like doing whatever I wanted to do. And I was training like, it was like 18 sessions a week total, like completely separate. Like I would do one in the morning, one afternoon and one at night. And that was just, uh, it's good if you're trying to develop skills and stuff like that. But when you got a, uh, a fight coming up, you don't really need to be training six, seven hours a day. So I started cutting it down and making it a little bit more intense. So it, a, a regular schedule is just kind of depending on what I have going on. If I don't have anything coming up, I'm going to be training three times a day, uh, just trying to get better. And then if I got, um, something coming up, I got another fight in three weeks. I kind of cut it down, just make it more intense. Okay. And you're considered a lightweight. So what weight are you fighting at right now? 155. Okay. And you were 165, 157 here at NC State. So you're still, but you actually went down a little bit. And that kind of reminds me of uh, Darion Caldwell, who's in Bellator. You know, he was yeah. a former guest here on the podcast too. And Wolfpack fans know about him. And very evident how Darion uses his wrestling background in fights. Is being a former college wrestler have the same benefits for you and your MMA style as his? Uh, I don't know if it has this, quite the same benefits. But it definitely has some big benefits. I think another thing that uh, like kind of separates me from other wrestlers, I've taken the time to learn uh, other forms of grappling and not just wrestling, because wrestling is very, uh, it's a little bit more one-dimensional. It's just riding and takedowns and stuff. I can, uh, I've been doing jiu-jitsu for almost six years now. And uh, so I'm, I'm, and I've competed at the highest level of, jiu-jitsu since i've been out here same thing as wrestling i don't think there's a lot of people that have ever done both there's very few and uh so i've learned jiu-jitsu and that's helped me a lot as far as uh the grappling but the wrestling there's nothing that really compares to it. it's still always going to be the best base for an mma fighter 
I did see you recently said wrestlers are the, oh, is it the hardest workers, hardest at practice than anything you've ever seen? You still think that's true? Oh, yeah. That's not, it's not even close. I think that's why wrestlers trans, that's the reason that wrestlers transition MMA so well. I don't think it's necessarily the technique or anything like that because, like, a lot of the stuff doesn't apply to a fight. Wrestling takedowns are completely different when punches are involved. Uh, riding on top is different. Escaping on bottom is different. The technical aspect doesn't really translate, but what translates is the physicality and the mindset that we're able to outwork and we'll outtrain people and we're willing to get better at stuff that people aren't willing to spend the time to get better at. And I would say most casual MMA fans, we've heard of UFC and Bellator as the two main promotions, but you're currently with Final Fight Championship. Can you talk about that organization and what kind of contract do you have with them? FFC is a, uh, a fairly big promotion in Europe, and they actually just moved. Uh, they're starting to do shows here in Las Vegas, which is super convenient for me because I don't have to travel. I literally just drive down the street uh, to make weight and weigh in and then I fight. So it's super, uh, it's convenient for me as far as, um, logistics of everything. I don't have to travel, but, uh, they're, uh, up and coming. They got, uh, I think they either, my last night it was on Facebook live, but they're, they've been playing the fights on CBS sports. So on a big TV network, they're to get some good, uh, TV time on a major network. And then, uh, They've just done a really, really good job of finding me opponents and finding me fights because there for a while it was a little hard. Okay. How do you like weigh-ins a day before compared to college an hour before? Uh, I mean, it's harder to make weight. It's harder to make a lower weight class, but I almost wouldn't mind going to like a uh, one-hour weigh-in for MMA or something like that, same-day weigh-in. Mm-hmm. I think it's just healthier. And you find guys, you get guys fighting at the more natural weight class. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'm not, it's not terrible for me to make the weight. It's not, it's really not that bad. So I can't really complain. I've been kind of weight for half my life. So <laughs> I kind of get it. Now I watch a little more MMA than I used to. And one thing I noticed, and correct me if I'm wrong, but in FFC there, you guys have matches inside square circle with ropes, whereas UFC and Bellator, they're in octagons and a steel cage. And as a wrestler, I'm sure it might be more of an advantage for you to pin someone against that cage, but what's the differences there? Uh, so it has the, the ring and the ropes has its advantages when it comes to wrestling and this, because so on our feet, if I want to take someone down, if I push them up against the cage, it's hard to get like a single leg or a double leg or a body lock when they're, uh, leaning up against the cage because I can't reach around the cage and grab them, right? Uh, with the ropes, if they're backed up against the ropes, there's nothing stopping me from reaching around them and grabbing them. Okay. That makes sense. So it makes it a lot easier to get takedowns on the ropes sometimes. Okay. The problem is uh, when you're on the ground, you can kind of like, if they keep backing out, they could go underneath the ropes and kind of like flee. In the cage, there's no fleeing. You're going to be stuck up against the cage. So when you're training, you're training in a cage. Am I correct there? Uh, I'm still, I train in a cage, but then I do boxing, sparring in a ring. Okay. So I'm training in both. 
And uh, I kind of alluded to this in my last fight. Uh, when I got interviewed, I said, uh, game plans are for people who aren't as good. It's almost the same thing with the ring and the cage. Like, if you're really worried about whether you're fighting in a ring or a cage, you're probably not good enough to be fighting in, with that person. So I'm not really too concerned about uh, whether it's a ring or it's in a cage or if it's in an open mat space in practice. Fighting, fighting. Still a sport. Still going to go out and compete. You got to figure out what you got to do given the circumstances. Now you're currently three and zero in your pro career. That last win coming back in June, and all three fights they were stopped in the first or second round as you won by submission, uh, rear naked choke. And although that last tap out, many aren't sure what to call it, but I think you know you put that move on a couple of Hokies back in your Wolfpack days. But how did? <laughs> I, I like the Hokies. Got to get them in there. I know you still like having fun with the Hokie fans. Yes, sir. <laughs> How did submissions become your go-to move? Did you think you'd be more of a submission fighter than a knockout boxer? Oh, yeah. And I think you know, I think everyone who watched me wrestle knew. And especially I know everyone that practiced with me knew. Um, I was definitely probably going to be as a guy that got on top and kind of mauled you and then was going to make you quit. And, uh, I think this, I find a little bit more satisfaction, honestly, out of making, uh, someone tap with a submission than like maybe just trying to go in there and knock them out. I think, um, that style and my style makes people not want to fight you as far as like, like, if I go out and if you knock someone out, sometimes that's 50, 50 and like someone will wake up and they're like, Oh, I want to fight that person again. If you get taken down and just like mauled and controlled to the point where like, you know, you'll never get up, you know, you're never really going to have a chance as long as that person's on top of you. That's like one of the most like defeating, um, feelings in the world. And so I kind of like take pride in being good at that. And so, uh, I mean, if I get, I, I had a knock down in one of my fights, but if, if it was, if I had it my way, every single fight is going to end by submission. And the start of your career was a little bit interesting. You've had some late opponent changes. And as you said, it was hard to book a couple fights early. But what is the process for you in booking a fight right now? So I had, uh, at first, it was just me and my coaches, like, hitting up random promoters, asking if they would put me on their cards. I'm an up-and-coming guy, wrestling in college. Uh, I got one pro fight against a guy from another gym uh, who was supposed to be pretty good. And he was undefeated as an amateur. We were both making our pro debut and he was out of the MMA lab. It was supposed to be, and he's supposed to be good. And I just like smashed him. And then after that, it was just hard to book. I couldn't like book a fight with that organization ever again, because the promoter was coming to me and saying like, no one wants to fight you after that. And I'm just like, I didn't really just kind of like upsets me, but it's uh there's nothing I can do about it, so I'm not really getting too upset about it. I just don't think that like if people are gonna not accept fights, you should probably just quit. If you're not ready, you should just not sign your name up to fight anyone. Don't pick and choose. But uh that's part of the game, man. That's just what they do. Uh but now I have uh I'm managed by a uh, sucker punch with Brian Butler and I have a uh I think up to six fight contract with FFC. And they've been doing, I don't even have to do anything anymore. They, my management and FFC handle it all. All they do is shoot me a name. Uh Uh, The last three opponents they've offered me. I don't even, 
I don't look up my opponent or anything. I just, I, they give me a name and I just text them back. Yeah. I don't think about it. I'm just gonna, I'm here to fight anyone and everyone. And, uh, I train with better people every single day. So I can't, th- I don't think that they're going to be able to throw anything at me that I haven't been able to see before. Do you have an idea when your next fight will be? August 1st at the Rio okay. in Las Vegas. And what is your long-term goal for your MMA career? Uh, I want to be a world champion in uh, whatever big organization. Obviously, I think that's, uh, I wanted to be in the UFC. But if uh, another organization comes along and it's something before that, then that's what it's going to be. Everybody that listens to this podcast, they know I'm a huge WWE fan. Any aspirations to stepping into that squid ring? I know you can cut one heck of a promo. I, so um, I was actually talking to uh, uh, Mr. Briscoe briefly when I was in college. Um, I know Jacob, my best friend, uh, Jacob Casper. He's the assistant coach at Duke, you know, and uh, he went and tried out in Florida. And uh, it seems like he's going to be taking that route. I'm not 100% sure, but that is something I've definitely have thought about. But the thing about it is uh, if I did it, I would want to take it like I would want to take it very seriously and um, go far with it. So I'm not in a position right now where I'd want to do that because I think I'm tall enough, but I'd have to uh, I would definitely have to start practicing my uh, my acting and my promo skills again. And then uh, I would also probably want to put on a lot of weight and start lifting and getting a little bit bigger because I, I think I'm probably a little too small right now, but I'm tall enough. It's definitely something I've thought about, though. Are you saying your promo skills went downhill since your NC State career? I, I find that hard to believe. I find that very hard to believe. No, 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 they haven't gone down. I've just been a little quiet because there's nothing to talk about. I'm not someone who's just going to talk out of uh, out of thin air. But I've had some stuff uh, stuff starting to pick up, so starting to be able to do some more interviews. Uh, I don't know if you saw my last uh, post fight interview, but that was pretty good. A lot of people <laughs> like that. Definitely. Uh, not going down. Just haven't had anything to talk about as of super late, but here recently it's been pretty good. I saw you still give the kiss as your post game celebration. Oh, I do. Okay. Kiss and a wink. <laughs> a bunch of your former teammates here in Raleigh, they still train at the Wolfpack Regional Training Center for freestyle. You know, Gwizdowski, Tommy Gant, Mike Machiavello. Yep. Have any of those guys picked your brain about an MA career? And who do you think could make the transition? Uh, I can't, Mock has mentioned it a little bit, but not really all that much yet. I think that's something that, uh, I think Tommy, Tommy definitely could and Mock definitely could. They would do, they would do amazing. I just don't know. Um, I haven't talked to them that much about like why or why they wouldn't want to do it, but both Tommy Gant and Michael Machiavello would excel they have the work ethic the physicality they're able to learn they're they're obviously still young enough uh they would do great i'd love to get to train with them again soon uh i got to see them when they were out here for the the open the u.s open love seeing those dudes miss them wish i could be training with them every day and the MMA world has really been buzzing this past week from that last UFC fight. Uh, ben Askren, he got knocked out early. 
as somebody that's training in MMA, how do you train to prevent those random moves or just how do you prevent training from getting knocked out? So I focus a lot on, this is, this is how I see it. I think, um, I always say this us in the gym and stuff. I'll be messing around with people and not saying that Ben is, uh, Ben does it. Ben doesn't do it. Like I'm not saying that Ben did anything wrong because the dude is 19 and one. Now he has had an amazing career, but honestly, uh, stuff like that can't really be like, obviously in hindsight, it could have been prevented, but it's going to happen. It happens almost everyone. No one gets out of this sport completely undefeated, undisputed, uh, even the guys who are undefeated right now, they've had their asses whooped in the gym at one point or another. Like everyone gets it. There's not anyone that's ever like completely unscathed. But I always say that uh, as far as trying to prevent stuff like that, it's uh, I always say you don't start fighting because you're smart, right? Uh, a lot of guys will just stand there and will kind of trade and try to see who is uh, the tougher guy. And that's not really how like I, how I like to approach it. I like to. It's more of a like a really good boxer um, wrestling type of thing, where it's like I'm reading and I'm reacting, and I'm not necessarily just going in there blind and trying to trade like fifty fifty shots. I'm gonna keep my distance. I'm gonna read. I'm gonna react. I'm gonna respond. I'm gonna hit. I'm gonna not get hit, and uh, try to get it to the ground and win that way uh in my last three well all four fights i've been hit a total like two times well i think not taking damage is the most important and probably the smartest move what about in practice have you put in have you been put in submission moves you know do you i know you don't want to get them in a fight so how do you kind of prepare for that so in jujitsu and when you're training, if you get caught in something, it's just, if you get caught in a submission, you tap and then you learn from it, you keep getting better. If you're not like, you, you should be getting tapped pretty often, regardless how good you are in practice, because you should be going for stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not like you get caught in a choke and then, okay, I don't want to tap because that means I would tap in a fight. Uh I'm just going to let this guy tap me out or I'm going to let this guy break my arm and I'm out for six weeks. It's if you get caught in something, you tap as far as strikes go, you do. I think I'm just not someone that like, I don't get hit a whole lot. I move and my, my defense is good. I don't, you just don't stand in front of someone and let you hit that, let them hit you as hard as they can. I think you should be moving head movement, footwork, stuff like that. But, uh, it's all part of it. I mean, I've been hit pretty hard. Luckily, I've never been put down, but definitely you're going to end up getting hit pretty hard. Definitely you're going to end up taking some hard leg kicks, hard body kicks. Uh, someone's going to have you in a submission. Uh, it's part of the game. Okay. I'll get you out of this on this. And I kind of have to go back to your senior year at NC State. I still remember a conversation we had about self-promotion in social media. Of course, back in 2017, there are many social media platforms and they've only since blown up. And I agreed with you back then and even so more now. And wrestlers, they can really use these platforms to benefit them, some, themselves, have fun, self-promote, give a glimpse into the personalities off the mat. As an MMA guy now, how important is social media to get your name out there? It's huge, man. Like you could be, you could be 
one of the best guys in the world, but if no one knows it, you're never going to make a dime fighting. It's almost more so about your name as far as when it comes to making money. And, uh, I mean, you can get guys who are ex-WWE guys. They can make their MMA debut in the UFC and make over $100,000, but as far as their skills, they suck. So, I mean, that's the, it's, it's a good and a bad thing. I think, um, on my end, as long as I keep winning, it's all going to settle itself out. Cause I do have a very, uh, open personality and I'm, I'm willing to talk about stuff. I'm willing to show who I actually am in front of everyone. I think authenticity is the most important part. I don't like when these guys are like trying to, when they're not witty and they're not very smart and then they're trying to say witty and smart things that talk trash. It's like, dude, just be who you are. You can be an interesting follow on social media. Tell our listeners how and where to find you on social media. You can find me at maxingout155 on Instagram. I believe it's the same thing on Twitter. If it's not three X's, it's two X's. Uh, Max Roshkoff, R-O-H-S-K-O-P-F. Just search that. You can find me. Uh, give me a follow. I'll follow you back. Uh, definitely, definitely have some interesting conversations on there. That's for sure. And then all uh, the last eight weeks has been hella highlights. I was going to say, you've really been, you really kicked it up social media. I think you're doing a great job. Self-promotion. It's very key, especially to this industry that you're trying to get into. Yeah, it's, it's, it's part of It's part of it. Guys who aren't doing it, guys who aren't doing the media stuff. Um, you're doing it wrong. You're going, your, your ceiling's only going to be so high. I'm in this to make a living and a better life for myself. If winning 15 fights, being 15 and 0, doesn't matter if I got 500 followers and making no money. So I'm in this to make money. I know you train a lot. I know you're, you know, really focused on this, but it sounds like your media training here at NC state by the SID has really helped you more than anything. Oh Yeah. <laughs> For sure. I was, I was joking, but I appreciate that. But, uh, <laughs> Max, it was fun to catch up. Good luck in pursuing your MMA dreams. I know you had that fight coming up. So I know all the Wolfpack wrestling fans are going to keep following you and hoping that you keep continuing to do well. Thanks, Brian. Appreciate it. I want to thank everybody for listening today. This is your Pack Mentality Poppins podcast covering all things NC State Wrestling. Until next time, Wolfpack wrestling fans, go Pack. Podcast is produced by the Matt Talk Podcast Network. For more wrestling podcasts, go to matttalkonline.com. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.